Well, good morning. I'm Dan Clancy. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, I'm so glad to be able to speak to you this morning. Uh, today we'll be talking about family matters. And uh, me being the family pastor, I guess it's my turn. So uh, I'm happy about that. Um, we're going to start off doing it a little differently than I did in the first service, but I know that a, a bulk of our teenagers come in this service, so um, I'm going to sort of give a little bit to them and then give something for all of us here today. But, uh, you know, speaking to our teenagers here, I mean, doesn't it bug you when someone has a secret and they don't tell you? They're like, I got a secret, but I can't tell you. Okay. I'm not going to do that today. I'm going to give you five secrets today. Promise you that today it's a money back guarantee that you will understand your parents in a way that you've never understood them. And I'm giving you all the keys and you don't, it's just money back. You're not even paying anything for it. So let's uh, go ahead and start in prayer and we'll get going today. Father, we just give this all over to you today. We pray that you would be glorified. We pray that uh, your name would be lifted up. And Lord, um, this parenting thing, it's a, it's a tough thing. Um, raising, raising kids and dealing with family members. And Lord, it's just very complicated. We need your help today. So Lord, we give it over to you. We pray that your spirit will work through me today. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So, you guys ready? If you should write them down, okay? But if you don't, you can get the tape. Okay, number one secret your parents aren't telling you is this. Your parents are copying, they're copying the only parents that they've lived with. They're copying their parents. And you probably didn't know that. Your parents aren't only your parents, but they are someone else's kids, okay? They were a kid, just like you were, okay? Their, different, their struggles were just a little bit different, but you made your parents parents. And uh, when you came out, there was nothing tied to your toe. There was no instruction manual. You know, if you do these things, you're going to have a perfect kid, um, they're sort of just making it up as they go along. And uh, so in trying to raise you, what they do is often they go back to the DVDs in their mind, the tapes in their mind, the eight tracks in their mind, however old they were, the radio in their mind, okay? They go back to this point and they try these things that their parents tried. Now, often we say all the time, well, when I become a parent, I'm never going to do blank, blank, and blank. I look in the mirror. Not only do I look like my dad, but I hear things that my dad said come out of my mouth, and I'm like, where did that come from? You know? I know exactly where it comes from. So, if your grandparents, so think about this, they are someone else's parents. I mean, they're someone else's kids, okay? If your grandparents, if they're not affectionate, there's a good chance your parents won't be affectionate. 
If your grandparents were busy, 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 busy people, there's a good chance that your parents are that way. If your parents always have to be right, there's a good chance your grandparents were also that way, that they had to be right always, all the time. If your parents, uh, if your grandparents didn't communicate very well, there's a good chance that your parents aren't great communicators with you. If your grandparents were yellers, there's a good chance your parents might be yellers. If they were perfectionist, then there's a good chance that your parents are also perfectionists. So I'd like you to think, in what way, for all of us here, are you like your parents? In what way? What is one way? You know, today I want to encourage you, you know, understanding someone really helps you to, if you start to understand and to know your parents, it really helps with everything. I don't know why in my life it's like I never asked I never asked my parents stuff growing up. And then I saw this book that came out. It was Father's Legacy, and it gave you all these questions that you should ask your dad before he passes away. And so anyway, I thought, oh, I know everything about him. I know all these stories. And next thing you know, I'm asking my dad these questions like, what what was the toughest time in your life? And my dad gives me this story I've never even heard. He's like, when I was 13 years old, the power went out. And it was Christmas time. And I was looking for my shoes to go to mass. And I was look, looking for them with a candle. I forget, As I was looking around the house, I left that candle somewhere. And I came home, and our house was burnt down. And I'm like, oh, man, that, that'll scar you. And so then I started asking him these other questions. What was the best memory in your life? And he said, well, I used to have this bike and we lived by the cab place. And, you know, they'd always paint my bike a different color all the time because they were painting their cabs all the time. And I was just getting to understand my parents in a way that I just didn't know them before. But I want you guys to think about a time that maybe you felt left out, Okay. Feeling left out is a, is a tough thing. But maybe that's how your parents feel at this stage in your life right now. They feel left out. The second secret I'm going to tell you is your parents may feel excluded from a life that they want to share. They may feel excluded from a life that they want to share. There was a time where you couldn't even turn yourself over. You couldn't burp yourself. They had to change your diaper. They had to do all these things for you. And now when you're finally interesting, and there's a life that they want to share with you, okay, <laughs> you ignore them. All the good parts are happening now, but you're busy, 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 busy. You've got a schedule to keep. And maybe, just maybe, they feel excluded from a life they really want to share. We know in the Bible, in Ephesians chapter 6, it tells Kids to what? Honor your parents. It's really hard to honor them when you are ignoring them, okay? And excluding them. 
So let me give you three reasons real quick why you should let them into your life. Number one, for you teenagers here, it's a great way for you to love your parents by letting them into your life. Number two, it's a great way to keep their trust. If there's communication going on, there's trust going on. Number three, it's a great way to avoid mistakes in your life. In Proverbs chapter four, it says, listen, my son, to your father's instructions, pay attention and gain understanding. It's a great way to save yourself of potential harm that may be coming your way. Another thing, think of your parents as this. A lot of you are like, my parents, they're always hovering over me. They're, they're so concerned. They're so worried about so many things. Here's another secret. Secret number three. Your parents can't stop loving what they love. They can't stop loving what they love. They've been loving you for a long time. They've been protecting you from everything, from the, from the stove, from traffic outside, from eating cat food, eating dog food, from finger painting with your poop and your diaper on the walls. <laughs> They've been protecting you, and they can't just stop doing it because they love you. The fourth secret is this. And this is really hard for teenagers. They always say to me, it is so unfair when my parents say to me, do as I say, not as I do. That's not a good statement. That's not a fair statement. They should never say that. So secret number four is your parents want you to be better people than they are. And there's nothing wrong with them saying, do as I tell you to do, not as I do. You know, maybe they have some bad habits in their life. Maybe they have a, a drinking problem or they smoke and they don't want you to die with lung cancer. And they tell you to do as they say, not as they do. And so, and finally, the last secret is this, and then I'm going to get to our passage today, and we, something we can all use. The fifth secret is this, is you can break the chain. You can break the chain. A lot of you are like, well, I'm stuck. My parents were this way. My grandparents were this way. I'm going to be this way. You know, just might as well just give up on life right now. But in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 18 and 19, it talks about that we are redeemed. We are bought with a price. You see, Jesus bought you with a price. A very costly price, his own life. And he came and he bought you to set you free. And you can break the chain. You may have generations after generations after generations of bad things that have happened to Clancy's or whatever your last name is. But you can break the chain through Jesus Christ. So that is just our introduction today. Now we're going to get into the heavy stuff. So if you have your Bibles... I want you to turn to Deuteronomy. I always have a hard time saying that one. It's a mental block, I'm sorry. Chapter 6, if you all turn there, we're going to be there for the rest of the time. You won't have to turn your page or anything. If you have the Bibles in front of you, um, it is on page 87. Page 87, if you look to the Bibles in the racks in front of you today. 
You all there? I'm hearing turning still. So, I love the way that Pastor Ryan ended the sermon last week. If you weren't here last week, let me tell you how he ended the sermon. He said his desire was to help you, to help heal you, not to bind you. And I know that sometimes when I come to a sermon and it's on parenting, I th- you know, I'm like, oh, no, another week where I'm going to feel like a complete failure, where I don't match up to whatever someone's preaching. I'll never be able to do that. But let me tell you, parents, is parenting is hard. It's hard. It's easier not to discipline your kid than to discipline, discipline them and then they'll be mad at you for two weeks. You ground them and then you feel like you're grounded yourself. You know what I'm talking about? Okay? And you're like, I can't wait for this two weeks to be over because they're driving me crazy. So today my desire is to encourage you. And I say that to you um, honestly. There's going to be some things you're like, oh, well, you're encouraging me, and that sort of hurts. You just threw a punch there. So today I'm going to just start by asking you to say something back to me. And I want you to say it very boldly. I want you to say it as if you really believe it. Are you ready? Here it is. Here's the statement. I'm going to say it, then I want you to say it back to me. I don't have to be a perfect parent. You don't have to be a perfect parent. I'm giving you permission right now. You don't, you can't, you're not. So just breathe. Just take a deep breath in right now. Just breathe. You don't have to be a perfect parent. God has never asked you to be that. That's not his expectation of you today, is that you be a perfect parent. He knows you. He created you. He knows that you can't do it. So, with that said, I want us to dive into our text today. And this is talking about family discipleship. And if you've been around here for long, you know discipleship is really, really important to us here. And we're going to tell you how to do it today. You can do it. So, if you would, turn into Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is called the Shema. It was for the Jews how education was supposed to work. And when I say family discipleship, what I'm saying is it's how we disciple our families to treasure and love Jesus Christ. So here it goes. Starting in verse 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently, your children. You shall teach these commands to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hands, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your, of your house and on your gates. So here... The Lord's telling us how we should disciple them. The first sentence is theologically rich. It's profoundly beautiful. 
and it's about the unity of the Godhead. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You see, the God of our universe is the subject of discipleship. On every level, the God of the universe is the subject of matter of discipleship on every level. Verse 5, it says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. To me, it's a fascinating text because, first of all, in the first concentric circle, and I want you to look for three of them, the first concentric circle is you and me. It's you and me. Here we are in that circle, and we're loving God. We're growing in our relationship. And to me, I'm just surprised at first that the Lord doesn't say, well, just do the Ten Commandments. Um, Teach your kids to do the commandments. No, he starts with what? Love. He starts with love. Because you do not do what you understand to be right or wrong. You do what you love. So let me uh, think about, when, when you look at a guy like me, you know that, you know, he's short, he's sort of a heavy dude, you know. You know that I probably know food pretty well, okay. I know restaurants pretty well. And uh, when I go into a restaurant, I know what is good for me, but that doesn't stop me. Why? Because you do what you love. I might look at the menu and I might be like, hmm, man, I mean, I know that superfood salad. It's going to be so good for me. It even looks good in that picture there. But so does that cheesecake. (laughs) And I go with the cheesecake. Why? Because you do what you love. Your love motivates the direction of your life. We're not motivated by do's and don'ts. We're people. We're people who are primarily, you know, a lot of people think that we're, you know, we're, we're, we're thinkers. We're people who are not primarily thinkers. We're people who are primarily lovers. And what we love drives us. What we love motivates us. And God doesn't start with what's right and what's wrong and the do's and the don'ts. God starts with love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Now here's the big question. Okay, you got me so far. I'm with you. I'm tracking with you. But big question is, okay, Dan, how do I do that? You're asking me to love the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind. How do I do that? Now, 
a lot of you in here, I know it's the, the beverage of the chapel in North Canton, but a lot of you love coffee, especially like RC back there. Loves coffee, gets here early to make, he makes gallons and gallons of coffee. I'm not a coffee drinker. Never have been, don't like it really, but I do like tea. I've been all over the world. They make some really good teas around there. And I'm always surprised that they make tea a little bit differently than we in the United States make tea. I make tea. I put, pour some hot water in there and I get a tea bag, let it go. Sometimes I get a little bit impatient and I take it out too soon and the tea is not really good. It's not really flavorful. But they do, uh, this, they steep it. They steep um, the tea. And... That's what God wants us to do with him. He wants us to steep on him, on his word, to be quiet, to meditate, to consider. And these things are necessary for us if we really want to grow in our relationship. Sometimes people treat the, the Bible like, hey, well, I'm speed reading through it, you know? I'm just flipping through it. No, he wants us to meditate on it. It's not how many verses you get through. It's that we're thinking about it. We're loving God. We're, we're thinking about this. Now, in parenting, a lot of times parents do what I call they lowering the bar. They're lowering the bar because they want their kids just to be happy. They're happy. They're content if their kids are happy and if their kids are just good people. What I want for my kids is just a little bit different than that. I want my kids to live life to the fullest. And that's found in Christ. It's not found outside of Christ. Family discipleship is when we cultivate their love. We get them to treasure Jesus Christ. Now, it talks about the parents' role in here. Now, why does it talk about the parents' role in the, the discipleship? I'll tell you in just a little bit. But I want you to look at this. It's so simple. I thought it was going to be a lot harder. When I looked at this passage, I'm like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do with that. But as I looked, I'm like, oh, wow, this is really easy. God's design for discipleship is so thorough and so effectively that you're discipling your kids even when you don't even know that you're discipling them. You're discipling them right now. God's design is so thorough, so good, that you are making disciples. You're like, I didn't know I was making disciples, so I know this passage tells me I need to. But the question is this. The question is, what are you discipling them in? What are you discipling them in? Now, I'm going to say some pretty tough stuff right here, so... Hang with me. I know I said I was going to be encouraging, but hopefully I'm saying this for your good and for your repentance, if any of this pertains to you. But men, I'll start with you men first. Men, if you're aggressive towards your wives, if you verbally belittle your wives, if you refuse to serve your wives the way that Christ love the church, you are training, you are discipling your kids. You're discipling your sons to be the next generation of narcissists. 
to be self-seeking cowards. And you're training your little girl that that's what she can expect from a man. That's all she should expect from a man. You're making disciples. Now, ladies, not to let you get a pass in all this. If you are a consistent nag and you constantly feel like you need to be the Holy Spirit in your family, here are a couple things. First of all, I've never met a man who was like, you know what? After hearing you say that for the 6,000th time, I'm all in. I'm ready to change. Sign me up. It was that 6,000th time you said that. That is what I needed to hear. It's not how it works. doesn't work that way. In fact, even the Bible would feel sorry for your husbands. God says this. He said it. I didn't. He says it's better for a man to die in the desert than to live in a house with a nagging, contentious wife. Now think about it. God's having this conversation with this man. And God is like, yeah, man. Mm. You should go to the desert. (laughs) No, don't take any water. (laughs) Just go, just go. The man says, well, am I going to die? Yeah. (laughs) You're going to die. It's going to be slow. It's going to be awful but it's going to be better than this. So just go. Go. So ladies, listen. When you're constantly nagging, you're training your sons in a way that emasculates them. As you emasculate their fathers right in front of them, you're training your daughters that the way to get what you want is to constantly chirp and nag about someone's weaknesses rather than being an expert in what they are good at. Even though what they're good at may be hard for you to find, your man may be an incompetent moron, (laughs) but he's your (laughs) incompetent moron. You chose him. I'm doing a couple weddings in the next couple weeks here. Your man may be incompetent, but he's yours. So speak well of him in front of your children because you're modeling. You're modeling. You're making disciples. Parents, we should be quick to apologize to our kids. We should be quick to apologize to one another and we need to own our own sins which takes us into the second circle second circle is the first circle is you growing loving Jesus second circle is found in verses six and seven 
It says, these words I command you today shall be on your hearts. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. Wow. When I hear that, that I'm going to teach my, that I need to teach my children diligently. I don't know about you, but for me, I think, well, how am I going to do that? How am I going to do that? I don't have time to do that. I can't have another Bible study stuck into the, all the things that I'm doing. You know, Monday through Thursday, I got to take my son to lacrosse. You know, I got, then I got to pick up my daughter from cross country. Then I got to take this son to band lessons, instrument lessons. I, I've got to take my other daughter to work. Leah's working late till 7.30 almost every night. I got to cook a meal. I got to feed the kids. I got to get the dishes in the dishwasher. I, I got to start working on homework with them. I got two junior high boys who don't like to take showers still, you know. <laughs> And so we got to get these showers done. How am I going to do this? How am I going to teach them? When am I going to do this? So if you're like me and you're asking those big questions, well, this text serves us. It's like God knows that we live in a real world, and he tells us how we're going to do it. God is like, let me show you. You can do this. Every one of you men in here, one of you women in here, you can do this. Look at the text. It says, you shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk to them when you sit at your house. Okay, deep thought here. How many of you guys got a couch? You got a couch in your house. Okay. Boom, you can do it. You can do it. This verse says, when you sit in your house, because you have a couch, you can do it. We sit in my house. Um, then he goes, when you walk by the way. Well, back then they walked. They didn't have these cars. But you know, our cars can be a great place to, you know, most of you guys do drive your kids around. There's no better place in the world than to trap your kids as in your car. You know, uh, they're in the car. You tell them no devices in the car, you start talking to them. You have to ask good questions. Are you going to get yeah, no, and all this other stuff. But if you ask good questions, you can disciple them. You know, this passage is telling us we can disciple our kids when we, at drive time, meal time, bedtime, great times for us to be asking questions and to be building into their lives says, do you go to bed when you're sleeping? You know, that's the one thing that I've noticed with my sons is when it's time to go to bed, that's when they want to talk the most. When they were younger, I was like, I don't know, some of your parents have younger kids and some of you that are older, you remember it, but I was like, will you just go to bed? Come on. How many times do I got to come up and stuff? If you don't go to bed right now, you're going to get it. You know, you're going to see the old Irish in me. Hey, it's a great time to disciple them is when they're in bed and they want to talk. And that's the weird thing about having teenagers. You have to be ready to talk when they want to talk. And you want to know when they want to talk? Usually they want to talk when it's nighttime. 
after their day is over. They want to talk to you then. And you need to be ready to talk to them. So, Bible tells me, if I do this, if I do this, one day at a time, over a long period of time, some really cool things are going to happen. It's telling you that you could do it. A lot of parents, they fret over this. And let me take this off of you real quick. You will not, by your parenting, save your children. You're like, what? What are you saying? My parenting will save my children. Did you hear me? The power to save is not in your hands. Whose hands is it in? Right? It's in the Lord's hands. It's in the Holy Spirit's hands. You've got to be encouraged. It's a long game of parenting. A lot of times we think this parenting thing is 1 through 18. Well, believe me, there's a lot of kids still living at home when they're 25. And after they get married, they're still asking questions. You're still parenting for a very, very long time. So, one thing that you didn't know is when you have kids, they're your kids forever. So keep on praying. Keep on loving. Keep on owning your own sins. We cannot save them. The Holy Spirit can. So what do we need to do? Is we need to pray that the Holy Spirit will. And lastly, the third circle. If you look at verse 9, it says, You shall write them on the doorsteps of your houses and on your gates. You see what's happening here? First circle, it's me and my wife loving the Lord. Second circle is us discipling our, our teenagers when we can, our kids when we can. We're, we're discipling them when we're sitting. We're discipling them when we're in the car. We're discipling them when we're eating. We're discipling them when they're going to bed. We're discipling them at all times. And then in the third circle, if you see this, it says, now write it on the doorpost of your house, outside. And the gates, this is outside. This is not inside the home, it's outside the home. And when you do the first two things, the third thing happens. The light starts glowing. People are like, what's up with those Clancy's? There's something different about them. And when things go bad in other people's lives, a lot of times when it's darkest and darkness is overcoming them, where do they want to go? They want to go to a place that the light is shining. The light is shining. And so that's what we do. And I know this is primarily aimed at just people that are parenting. But we all parent. We all discipleship. We all have influence. And so I want to, you, I want to encourage you is, is it's not as hard as you make it out to be. It's in having intentional conversations. We pray with me. Father, so thankful for this passage in your word. And I know that a lot of times we can feel like a failure. Oh, that's just another thing that I'm not doing right. But Lord, I pray that you would give parents 
and people in this room courage to do the right thing. But that it all starts with them. It all starts with them loving you with all their heart, with all their mind, with all everything that they have, their soul. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to make you number one priority, not all the things that are happening around us. And Lord, we give this over to you. And Lord, as we open up these altars, Lord, I just pray that you would just encourage people to come and to pray for their family and maybe for them to to get right with you. I ask this in Jesus' name.